This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 489. And the quote of the day is, nothing restricts your success more than your limiting self-beliefs and fear. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey yo, what's happening? Nick Rafini here, episode 489, and I hope all is well with you. And I'm super, super excited about this episode because it's with my man Kevin Stevens, and Kevin is we I guess we met through the podcast. He's he's been a longtime listener of the podcast, and he has built a sustainable career over the last couple decades. And he lives here in LA, so we just got to hang at his studio and and chat all sorts of amazing things. But he tells the story of you know how he grew up in Denver, and then he went to he started to go to school for civil engineering and didn't feel like it was the right fit, and then went to Miami and went to school for for music in Miami and. We get really deep into the idea of self-limiting beliefs. We get deep into the ideas of creating your own path, you know, charting out your own course and determining what is success in your own mind. So whether you're playing full time, you're playing part time, whether you are, you know, uh, playing music that you're really into or you're playing, you know, music that maybe you're not into, but you do it to make money. And we, we, we really get deep into all these topics and, Again, he has he has built a career for himself uh, over the last few decades, and so he he definitely one understands the idea of these limiting beliefs and and how he overcame them. So that was a great uh, some great insight into that that we got into, and then also uh, he has a lot of insight of you know going out and networking and meeting people and starting and starting bands and getting hired getting work as a hired gun and all those sorts of things so things that he mentions he didn't really learn in music school so important to understand those things as well and some of his resume let's let's talk about a little bit about who he's played with he's playing with Dwayne Eddy uh Steve Jones he played with Rock of Ages which is the musical and Boom Bip Mini Driver he was in the Jimmy Kimmel House Band so just an extensive career for sure and is constantly working, constantly gigging, constantly developing new relationships and continuing to, uh, you know, just move the ball forward. That's what you got to do as a working drummer. So tons of insight and I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get into it with my man, Kevin Stevens. We're good. We're rolling. We're rolling. Kevin. My man, this has been I th- this has been a long a long time coming. So like you and I've been sort of, you know, chatting back and forth for years and buds and yeah. you, we actually Zach Alberta did a did a story on you on Drummer's Resource. Yeah. How long ago was that? I don't know. Maybe 4 years ago, something like that. Yeah, it was something like that, a, right? When he first I think aligned with you. Yeah. Yeah. So where are we now? We're in what town are we in? This is North Hollywood. North Hollywood. Okay. Yep, in the Valley, San Fernando Valley. So I, I wish I could, like, maybe I'll take some pictures to put up. So you have this studio here, and there's just, it's beautiful, and there's drums everywhere, and they're, like, I walked in, and I was like, man, I want to move into this place. It is, like, <laughs> yeah. it's be- it's it's a total, it's it's definitely, like, a uh, a man cave yeah, it's drum a, room. It's a drum man cave, for sure. Yeah, I yeah. dig it. And, yeah, I've had this room for, uh, I don't know, over 10 years, I think, with, oh, Ryan, really? with Ryan Brown. 
another yeah, yeah. guy you know, great mm-hmm. drummer. And um, yeah, it's just great to have a place. For me, I found it helped to have a space outside of my house because I had yeah. two young kids and I tried to like have, you know, the home office practice room mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I just found that having a space totally separate worked for me to like separate, you know, work from, work from home. home and yeah, yeah. yeah. I get the same thing with, you know, I'm running, you know, we're running Drummers Resource. We have another company and it's nice to be able to work from home, but I'm getting to the point now where we're like, we need offices. Yeah. Like we have just, it makes, it makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of, like you said, you can sort of separate the two. And then I, I'm, you know, when you walk into a, a, your own practice room, you're, you have a job to do when you walk in. Yeah. Right. You're not just like, oh, I'll get mm-hmm. to it whenever I want. Like you walk in here, it's right. like, what else are you going to do? You're not going to do your laundry here. Right. You know, right. so you're like, well, I might as well practice or yeah. I might as well work on the things that, that I need to, uh, that I need to work on. Yeah. When I come so, here, I come here to get work done. You right. Know? Right. It's like, so. you know, it's, it's the lab. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about you growing up. Uh, I know you're from Denver, mm-hmm. which I'm guessing at the time didn't have a huge music scene. Um, or let me let me rephrase that. I feel like there's a large, uh, there's a there's a huge thing that's happening right now in Colorado. You know, in yeah, Denver, I've music scene. Um, like maybe I think it has something to do with like the cannabis thing. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard about. Too. And then and now like there's a ton of musicians who I talk to who are saying I'm moving to Denver. I know. And I don't know if it's cannabis related, but it's just there's a there's a culture that's happening there. Yeah, and that's what I heard. Vibe. I met a guy a few years ago who was in town from Seattle great mm-hmm. like um, kind of organ trio I can't remember the drummer's name but he was great and I talked to him afterward and he was like man I'm moving to Denver yeah and I was like really from Seattle and he's like dude I've traveled all over and that's like the most fertile music scene right now right and I was like whoa really? yeah <laughs> yeah and he said he thought again it had to do with like the the pot laws and that more people were going out to see live music mm-hmm. and all this stuff was going on so that's cool so Going back to, you know, uh, growing up in the 70s and 80s, um, you know, I think there there was, there's definitely a scene, you know, in, in right. all these towns, there was definitely scenes. Um, I mean, my experience with music was I, I was the youngest sibling. Mm-hmm. So my brothers and sister, uh, my brother and sister played musical instruments and we were all supposed to play musical instruments, you know. As right. part of what we did. Did you start on piano? They or? tried to steer me to trumpet because my yeah. brother was a trumpet player. It's such a hard instrument to start on. And well, and I just, I, from, my brother's nine years older than me. Okay. So he was in high school and I was, you know, five, six, seven, eight, right. whatever. And so I was going to his like marching band competitions and his jazz band things as a little kid. And man, I tell you, the drums just like, I just zoned in on them and I would love watching the drum line and loved, you know, there's something about the power of the instrument visually and sonically that just transfixed me. You know what right. I mean? I just, so when they said I had to pick an instrument, it was just, it was going <laughs> like, to be drums. No so it was just right. like, sorry. And doesn't that, did you run into the problem where everyone picked drums? So they're like you and 17 other p- people picked drums. Well, so. you know, you know, um, I was so young, I was eight that I don't even think we had that, our school band could was open to kids that young. So this was just to go take private lessons. Oh, okay. So I just started from private lessons from day one Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm left-handed, but Mm -hmm. my teacher started me 
as a right-handed drummer from the first day. So you'd never know I'm left-handed right. unless uh, I told yeah, you. Know, yeah. You know what I mean? Because I play like a right-handed player. Mm -hmm. So um, I came up with that, private lessons, um, you know, then got into doing it school and band. I think I was like maybe fifth grade. And because of all these years of lessons, I was kind of way ahead of everybody, right. you know, that was just starting instruments then. Mm -hmm. And um, went on through high school, you know, just always taking lessons and whatnot. And um, I had a buddy that was a guitar player that was a neighbor of mine, John Christensen. And he was like my musical partner, you know, and right. he was always turning me on to things. Like that's how I was discovering, you know, new bands, new things. Um, and we would play music together some, but like um, not as a band. Like we didn't have another bass player. It was funny. Right. I don't know why we didn't like go start a band, but we didn't, right. <laughs> you know? So I think I did that for a while. There was like drums and guitar. But I yeah. think I think growing up the way I did with 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 learning music in that way, just by myself on the instrument and taking lessons, playing along with a lot of records and stuff. Mm -hmm but not playing in a live band situation with like other people. You know, I think there was things I missed out on, you know, that I didn't then get turned on to until later, like in, in high school when I started to really actually play with other people or whatnot, as far as like my time developed mm -hmm. weird time things. You really? know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, because you weren't playing with other people. Yeah. I wasn't playing with other people. Cause and, you, I, cause I would think that playing along with records, would help your time. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But you know, it also depends on the records you're playing with. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> there aren't a whole you lot. Know, I was playing with a lot of Kiss records. You know, I don't know about <laughs> Peter Chris's. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to blame it on that. But um, you know, I mean, records was part of it. But mm -hmm. then you know, I think playing, you know, all the stuff for my lesson and whatnot. I was not practicing with a metronome, even right. though I was told I was supposed to. I just right. I wasn't. So I remember. It was my freshman year in high school jazz band. And again, I was like kind of way ahead of the curve. So I made it into like the top jazz band as a mm -hmm. freshman. And I remember playing and this saxophone player who was a senior turning around and being like, dude, you got to get a metronome, get your time together. Like just calling me out. Like, and I was like, oh man, you know. And at that age, were because you were so far ahead of the curve. I'm sure you had a lot of people being like, "Oh man, you sound great." Yeah, great. yeah. So did you have like this little? Did you? And I'm I'm speaking. This is me speaking from my own experience, where I kind of had like this ego, and mm -hmm. I was like, "I'm the best drummer in the world," <laughs> right. right? And then you and right. then you're like, "You need to work on your time." How did you right. take it? Uh, I mean, I think I knew there was some truth to it. It hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? It hurt, Truth but that's hurts, a lot right? of times when it calls out, when you know there's something there and somebody actually exposes it. Mm -hmm. That's when a lot of times it's like, oh, shit. You right. Know, I think they're right. Well, when I came to high school as a freshman, there was another whiz kid drummer that was a year older than me, Brad Evilsizer. Uh -huh. He's a great drummer to this day. He's living in Kansas City. He was Evilsizer? Evilsizer, yeah. That's a great last good name. Good name, right? <laughs> that's right? a good last name. So Brad... He was in Austin for, man, like 20 years and recently moved to Kansas City. But he, him and I were like each other's competition. Right. And so it was great. And he had kind of a different skill set than I had. And, and um, he, would, he would learn things note for note. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like off of records. And I, I, di I didn't ever really do that. I would yeah. play along and do these things. But like he 
and he was deep into Neil Peart, so he could play like the YYZ drum solo, like mm -hmm. note for note. And I was just like blown away. So him and I like totally inspired each other. And, and so I realized right then that there's definitely other guys that are also like me that were right. ahead of the game, but you know, <laughs> there are plenty of other great <laughs> players out there. So yep. I, I realized that right then. Um, so yeah, coming up, that was that was my experience. Um, music was always to be a hobby, though, in my yeah. house. Even though we were all encouraged to play music, uh, I had we had a Hammond organ in our house because my brother had played organ before, um, and we were all, you know, paid to do lessons. My parents carted my drums around. You know, I was in after school programs, playing right. in jazz bands, all this stuff. It was always this is. A, a hobby. Why the big push to make you play an instrument? I think um, I think my mom. Uh, I think it was part of my mom's childhood and, and and her father. And I think it was just that you know, as a well-rounded person, you know, you play an instrument. you play an instrument too, and right. there's stuff to learn that mm -hmm. from that. And I I really credit my mom for for doing that for right. us, you know. And it, which it makes sense, like my mom's same way. You know, my mom played piano. My dad doesn't have a musical soul in his body, right? Like, right. There's a story where he was in Catholic school, and they were like, "Everyone has to sing, <laughs> or you get in trouble." I heard you say that. Yeah, yeah and then they like don't sing. Don't sing. <laughs> yeah, you know. So like, uh, so so you know, like my mom played piano, and then right. for us, it was just like, "You're gonna play piano, or you're gonna you know you're gonna play an instrument." So I right. played, you know, ten years of piano. My brother yeah. did. My sister did. So we all. And it was never, you know, it was the same way. It was never like, it wasn't that you can't do this as, as a career, but it was never pushed like, oh, you should be a professional musician. It was just right. like, you become, you're well-rounded. Right. So you play right. piano or, but right. and I was like, I want to play drums. And they were like, oh, great. Right, right. And <laughs> it's going to be loud. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, with me, you know, um, I have these older siblings. My brother uh, was an engineer. Mm -hmm. He went into engineering and really went down that road. And I was... I was really good in school too. I I got good grades. I was a smart guy in math and science as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think my parents just thought, well, you have these other skills, you know, you you can get a good job or you can get have a great career doing something like your brother's doing. Right. Why would you not want to do that? You right. know what I mean? And they really, um, so, uh, and they saw. I think. You know, my, my parents had no other reference for any professional musicians mm -hmm. other than like music school teachers and our private lesson teachers. So right. that's what they saw. And, you know, those guys had a, you know, m middle, you know, income or kind of struggling, especially my, my drum teacher maybe was kind of, you know, right. you know, definitely wasn't living the high life, you <laughs> right. know. Um, and that was all they could see mm -hmm. for what professional musicians do. So, yeah. you know, they didn't want that life for their kid, mm -hmm. you know. Let me ask you a question about that because I talk about this a lot and I'd love to hear your perspective where there's a lot of people who do this as a career, quote unquote career. They do it. This is all they do full time and they're struggling. They're mm -hmm. not making enough money. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't make ends meet you know their cars falling apart mm -hmm. and they continue to push to play to to do that and that and that's the only thing that they want to do 
What's your take on that? Do you say keep pushing or do you say go get a job and, and you know, do this on the side and build up your career? Because I think a lot of times we wear it as a badge of honor where it's like, all I do is play drums. And it's like, right. yeah, but if you can't pay your rent right. and you can't, you know, your car is falling apart right. and you're not taking care of your family or your kids or whatever, right. you know, like what's, what's your take on that? Because uh, you see it as much as I do. Yeah. You yeah. Know? That, that's a, that's a good that's a good question. Um, I think when you do have wife, kids, those things come into play. Right. I think that that changes that situation. Mm-hmm. That you got to be much more realistic about, you know, taking care of business and right. and taking care of the finances. Um, and I have had to f- deal with that. You know, right. when when I had kids and and whatnot. Um, so. When it's just you and when you're young, I think uh, you have a lot more freedom to yeah. to struggle and and maybe eat top ramen and yeah. you know yeah. drive around in a crappier car and 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 whatnot. Um, God, yeah, I think that's really a choice that everyone has to has to make for themselves. But I think they do have to, you know. And you talk about it on your show. I think you people have to really ask what their real dream like what what do you really want like right you know i mean if if making music and with other people is your highest dream and your biggest reward and whatnot and and money and and um, vacations and a bunch of other kind of you know nice things and don't matter so much then i mean man yeah go for it i mean really you know what i mean yep um but you know, if if they have something else in mind and it's not happening, maybe yeah. In the meantime, you gotta you gotta figure it get out. Get some other thing going. And also, it's hard if you're in that kind of struggle. Uh, it can be hard to make music or do anything like that when everything's falling apart. So I think to to go get some other kind of job to help, you know, have something be steady, help kind of even out the finances just so you can stop treading water right that can be a good so you thing. can focus on being creative yeah. yeah yeah for sure i remember i had a, i had lunch with michael carvin and mm-hmm. he it was i mean you know michael carvin obviously mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and he you know he has a way of saying things and he i'll never forget this and it, like he just said it sort of in passing but it was really profound to me oh. and he was like just he was like man he said you know go out and 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 just de- dive into playing drums and like, you know, really master that that thing, right? And like, do it as much as you can. And he was like, and if you need to go and make some money too, he's like, go on and make some money. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, it was almost like permission. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you need, like, if you need or want, there's nothing wrong right. with going and wanting, you know, a nicer car and vacations, like you said, and everything. Right. And he's like, and if you want, he's like, then go do that too. Right, and it was just like he said it in passing, but it was really profound to me. Where it was like, yeah, you can like we were talking about before we started recording, like do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's totally it's your it's your path, it's your choice. You know, right? Wh- whatever whatever works best for you. Um, so that sorry to really derail what you were talking about. No, like, no, no, uh, no, no. About what your parents saw, but I thought I think that was a really, I think it's a really important thing for people to to hear and to understand that like doesn't matter what everyone else thinks 
It doesn't. It doesn't. And and so many times it's our own thoughts and beliefs that are getting in our way. Mm-hmm. You know, for sure. That's what's, you know, like like we were talking about with our idea of what's a professional drummer, what 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 is not. You know, a lot of times that's our own vision of what a, being a professional means, and right. we we think that other people are saying that about ourselves or about what style of music we're playing or what gigs we're taking or whatever. But that's no one. You know, no one else really cares as much about you and what you're doing as you do. Right. <laughs> you, know? right. you think everyone's thinking these things about you. And you know, right. it's like, no, no one's really thinking or talking about you at all, really. You yeah. know, that's you in your own head. Yeah. Coming up with these stories, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but going back to growing up, you know, my parents really wanted me to do something like, like my brother. Right. And, and so... Um, I I did I I mean I thought that too I thought I, I you know I wanted to make a lot of money and um, uh, I was good in math and science and so my brother was doing this engineering and so I guess I'll try it too and so I went to University of Colorado at Boulder mm-hmm. and I started in civil engineering and I realized really quick my freshman first quarter first few weeks like whoa like I don't think I made the right choice here right. I just I wasn't like everyone like they were totally psyched to like do the extra credit calculus problem and like let's figure that thing out that the teacher wrote on the board and you know right. hey let's meet up and talk about whatever and I was like what like <laughs> I have and so my favorite part of my first quarter at, at CU was I was playing in a jazz combo Mm-hmm. And that was my favorite thing, or um, the jazz history class. And then I would I would go to the music school, and I would get old uh, downbeat magazines, and I'd read them, or, or modern drummers, right. or whatever. That was like my favorite thing. And so I was seeing my life in front of me behind a desk as an engineer, and I was just like, oh my gosh, like I think I've really made a wrong choice here. And my buddy John, who I grew up with, that mm-hmm. guitar player, he'd gone to North Texas. And he was following. Like, there was no question for John what he was doing. He was like, I'm going to play yeah, music. Yeah, like, and- all all the time. And all the time in high school. <clears throat> and, you know, there was, like, never a question right. with him. Whereas, you know, I think with me, it was, like, one, you know, I was never that focused mm. as, as him. And so, um, yeah, I, I, you know, told my parents, I think, I, I remember I was in a Denny's, you know, at, like, <laughs> Christmas break. And I was like, ah, oh, I want to ask uh, <laughs> leave college and do something else you know and and they were kind of like okay well you know let's think of another major or whatever and and i was like no i think i have to really give music a shot right and because if i don't try this i'm never gonna let myself you know i'm never gonna be happy no not knowing what could have happened right just regretting it yeah i would have regretted you know and so i'm glad and my parents you know, that's that's the thing I want to talk about today is the interesting thing of like, you know, because I'm sure there's other people out there that experience this, um, of like, my parents are totally responsible for me doing this, obviously. Right. Paid for lessons, told me to pick an instrument, drove my ass around with drums in the car for years. You know, my dad would go to bed early because uh, he woke up really early to go to work and my drum set was like five feet from his bed and I'd be like playing to kiss records or Van Halen, whatever. And never complained, never, ever told me once to not play, not play, you know? Right. So they were the most supportive in that way. But 
what was interesting is is when it came to like choosing this as a career it was so outside their wheelhouse of like understanding and even though they supported that in the way that they, they you know paid for me to go to college or you know i had some scholarship but they also paid for me to go to university of miami which is not a cheap school right um I never got the feeling that they really believed that this was going to be a viable career really? and that I was going to be successful doing this. <clears throat> I mean, like they literally, because um, they they didn't believe I, they didn't believe it. Right. They didn't believe it for themselves that like you can do anything that you set your mind to. Right. You know they, you know, um, so they couldn't really believe that for me. So, you know. That I think kind of haunted me some, like when I was getting going in my career, I think I always felt like they were like, um, by things they would say, mm -hmm. you know, like, well, once this music thing kind of passes and then you're going to actually get a real job, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? And I was just like, no, this is it, you know, so, but not having like parents that filled you with that kind of belief in yourself mm -hmm. or that, and what you were doing um when things got tough for me i felt like i was kind of all alone you know what i mean like i yeah. didn't have anyone in my corner and and do you feel like if you went to them they were kind of like well we told you yeah yeah exactly yep yeah that's exactly right yeah yeah and i believe me i heard that yeah you know i heard that so uh -huh. how do you get out of that how do you well is it just because part of it to me i think is is necessary right I feel like you have to struggle. Like you, you have to, you have to, you have to take your lumps. You yeah, have to of course, like... the struggle. Not, not that there's not going to be struggle. Struggle, but like, I mean, now, like, what I know now is struggle and failure. That's all part of. That's all part of the process, right? And like, and failing. That's, dude, keep at it. You mm -hmm. know, you're going to turn it around. All these failures are going to eventually lead to your success. And you start to figure you out, know, like. You keep, you know, you keep doing these things, and you're like, "This isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working." And it's and like, you, and you redefine. And you're like, it, "Well, you maybe I need to not do the same thing." Right. Let me try something different. Let me, and that's where I think the staying power is, because most people quit, right? Right. Right. But if you if you stay in there long right. enough, right, you'll figure it out. Right. At, le at least I exactly. Think so, no, right? I think so too. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think you know, I'm evidence of this. I've right. I've stuck it out, and I'm <laughs> yeah. like hammering it out, you know, and. Here I am, like, you know, making this happen. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that that kind of thing with my parents. And then, you know, early on, I also, like, had a lot of, like, verbal abuse kind of from my mom. Mm -hmm. She, I think, had, like, um, some, like, maybe bipolar stuff that going on that was not diagnosed or whatever. And would kind of rage a lot of times and rage on me. Really? I was like this unexpected child that came later. Right. And I think she was looking to kind of start, you know, going back to work and doing mm -hmm. some different things. And my kids, my brothers and sister was older. And, and then I came along. So I think there was a lot of resentment that she didn't even realize that was there. Really? And so I grew up hearing like uh, terrible things, you know, that you should never tell a kid, you know, I wish I never had you. I wish you hadn't been born. You're never going to amount to anything. You're not a good person. Yeah. Wow. Like heavy stuff that I would hear when she would be upset about something and it would come out in that way. Mm -hmm. And so, 
even though as a little kid hearing these things, I didn't, I didn't believe them and I would rebel and I'd be like, well, well I'm here and you got to deal with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I would, I would fight back or whatever. Hearing that over time, you know, those things sink in and you start, like, to, believe you start to believe like, am I a bad person or am I not going to amount to anything or right. am I, you know, destined to like fail or whatever. So, you know, as a young adult, I've got those things rattling around in my head too, mm -hmm. you know, and how you asked how I kind of got out of it or how do I turned it around? Like in the um, late 90s, I guess, kind of right after I moved to San Francisco, 96, after I graduated from college. Um, again, my, my friend John Christensen, that musician, he'd kind of left North Texas after a year and he mm -hmm. was really kind of getting on more of like a spiritual path and doing these things. And he turned me on to this like... Um, group of people in Colorado that he was doing these like workshops with kind of you know really like inve investigating yourself and sure you know really self-examination and um healing and whatnot and so I went and did some like workshops doing that my wife and I both did um and this was right at the beginning of our relationship so it's really good and and all this self-examination I kind of found out these things you know and and, and was remembering these things and these beliefs I had about myself right limiting beliefs you yeah. know and and so that's the first step in really like you know how do you turn these things around is just seeing these beliefs and just seeing like no that's not really true you know what I mean right and um that's that, can can we talk about that a little bit about just about beliefs and limiting beliefs mm -hmm. and because I think for me that is such a that's such a powerful thing because i you know i've struggled with the same things right mm -hmm. and then and once you start to realize that it's all just stuff that you're telling yourself so you're like your brain believes whatever you tell it whether it's false or not right. and when you start to look around and you're like everything that you see was created by man you know obviously not trees and all mm -hmm. that kind of, but like mm -hmm. You look around and you're like these huge buildings or these careers or this music or it's all man-made right it's like well then then why can't i create those things for myself whether it be abundance or whether it be you know these positive habits or whether it be this thing or whether it be right. that thing and it's it's such an empowering thing when you realize that you are completely in control of all of that right. you know yeah. and like so, so like how how do you how can you how can someone get on that path of like that self-discovery or that like figuring out what their limiting beliefs are and understanding that like reinforcing different beliefs mm -hmm. will completely change your life mm -hmm. right and i true like i believe that and i and i'm yeah, dead, and i don't I want do. to put words in your mouth but i think you do too i do too yeah i mean i'm i uh a few years later then like right after 911 um, and my wife and I kind of kept going with this type of work. So we're open to, um, you know, what some people call like new age thought or like kind of woo woo kind of new age. And I'm like, right. that I'm totally down with that. I'm that's so, where, me too. Yeah. That's where, you know, I, I, you know, base my beliefs from. So right after nine 11, um, we got exposed, um, to this thing called science of mind, mm -hmm. which is, it's not. Scientology and it's not Christian science it's 
this guy Ernest Holmes um, was like uh, a religious scholar studying all kinds of different religions mm -hmm. in like the early 1900s. Um, yeah, 1900s, like 100 years ago. And um, he was kind of like, well, what do all these, what is Christianity, Judaism, uh, you know, Buddhism, uh, Islam, what do they all have in common? Mm -hmm. And he kind of was like, oh, I see. They all have these certain things in common. So he kind of boiled it down. And he also, he saw all these different religions as like different, like spokes on a wheel going toward the center of a wheel, right? right? Which is God. God is at the center. Mm -hmm. And there's like these different avenues coming at it in different ways to kind of look at it. And so... With that, uh, a big part of that that belief system of science of mind is that uh, God is all no. It's kind of like the the force, right? right in right. Star Wars, right? It's like a universal spirit. We're not talking about like Jesus right. or whatnot specifically. We're just there's a universal intelligence that is behind all of this, right? And that we are connected with it mm -hmm. at every moment. We cannot be disconnected with it as people we are connected to that source right. and that our thoughts and our beliefs are connected with that as well and the universe god reflects what's going on here in right. our beliefs yeah right it's like that the the secret or mm -hmm. the law of attraction yeah, yeah. right yep. that's all the same thing so that's when we got kind of hip to that and then when i started to study that and started to and we were going to this church that was amazing in, in Oakland called the East Bay Church of Religious Science. Mm -hmm. And it was like an African-American-based church. So you had like gospel, you know, African-American feeling, singing and like emotions, but with this new age, like new thought message. So it was totally East nice. Bay, totally yeah. Oakland, cool, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, all <clears throat> kinds of people there. And it was perfect for my wife and I. Like, right. It was great. But... When I saw that then, and I, and I saw the power in that, I, I kind of looked at my life and I saw that, man, I always have gotten basically what I thought I could have. Yeah. You know, for better or worse. Yeah, self-fulfilling prophecies, yeah. right? Yeah, and I look back at my life and I'm like, wow, those things that like I didn't think were a challenge, yeah, those haven't really been a challenge. And those things that like I thought were not going to happen. Yeah, those have not happened for me yet. Right. And a lot of, and but in our society, I think we think like, well, yeah, you had those experiences, so those created those beliefs. You know, you had some struggle in that area, so then you started to think that that's really hard. And it's like, no, I think actually, if you really look at it, usually it's the other way around. You somehow have these beliefs implanted first, and then you and then create all these experiences that reflect those beliefs. And yep. that's why, you know, people going around saying that, oh, man, I'm, you know, struggling musician. That's a super dangerous thing to say. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the you want to be a struggling musician, keep saying that. Keep talking about how yeah. you're struggling. How hard it is. If you haven't already, check out Promark's Select Balance Drumsticks. What they did was take normal standard drumsticks and give players the ability to fine-tune that stick for their playing style. Let me give you an example. If you play rock or country or metal, then you can use the forward balance. It's front-weighted, gives you more power and more speed. 
And if you're playing jazz or funk or gospel, then you can use the rebound balance, which is rear-weighted and gives you more finesse and more agility. Plus, they're made by Promark. You know that you're getting a quality product because they control the entire process from the forest to the finished drumstick. And they're also paired by pitch and by weight. So there's no guesswork when you're grabbing that stick out of your bag. Do yourself a favor. Check them out by going to Promark.com. So if you're looking to get a new kit, you have two options. One, you can check out some pictures online. You can go to the store. You can see what they have there. You can drive to another store. You can find a couple more models and you can drive yourself insane driving all over the place trying to see what the kit that you want looks like. Or you can design yourself the perfect sonar kit using their SQ2 drum configurator. And this configurator allows you to build a kit from scratch, or you can use some of their predetermined configurations and then just modify them. But you can modify everything, the sizes, the configuration, the hardware, the color, all of that stuff. And you can make it to your exact specifications. Not only that, you can get an overhead view, you can get a 3D image of it. All of that is all built into the drum configurator. To build your dream sonar kit, go to sq 2 drumsystem.com or just google sonar sq2 you'll find it check it out the sonar drum configurator i always talk about like about being positive right Mm -hmm. so today from the minute i open my eyes i can find every negative thing that's happening you know through the whole day right if i choose if you choose to yeah right so i could be like you know, on the way here, I could, I hit trap. Okay. Right. I can complain about that. Right. This happened that, you know, like you can find all those sure. things sure, or you can find all the positive things that happen and not even think about all the negative yeah. stuff. And I think that the same thing, if you're like, I'm a struggling, Oh, see this bills do. And like, yeah. Oh, the, everyone's out to get me and this and yeah. that. And it's like, then you, then you really live in that world. Yeah. And well, and as far you as you manifest as, it. And, and <clears> as far as like, that's the thing when you come to a town, like, here and you're and you see the people that are really successful um i mean they don't have that going on i mean like and that and and that was another thing about that that the whole science of my or law of attraction or the secret or whatever that explained to me like how come like someone who uh is not that good is so successful or how come the person who's you know, really great is not that successful. And it's like, well, probably because that person who is really successful, they, they thought they could be, even though they're not that very, very good. They might not even know how bad they are. Right. But like, they don't have that hang up, like that somebody who goes to jazz school, jazz college, and like, you know, you get all these other weird beliefs in your head about struggle or about competition or about you're never good enough. And like all these other weird things that the guy who just plays for fun and just kind of loves it and writes his own goofy tunes you know he doesn't have all this baggage about it yeah you know or why do you uh, you know so so when i started to understand that and i started to see that like because with that belief system comes responsibility Mm -hmm. because in that belief system there's no more blame you can't blame uh other people or or god or whatever or your parent like for your situation yeah you know what i mean because in just your beliefs yeah. yeah your beliefs you can change things if mm-hmm. you don't like what's happening you know you have the power to change your experience 
starting with your beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I started to practice that and I started to see things change. You know what I mean? What does that practice look like? Meditation. Yeah. Meditation is a huge part of that practice um, uh, in Science of Mind and and now in my life too. And, I, and I've gone through kind of phases of it. And But right. now it's back in my life where that's the first thing I do when I wake up every morning. I, I sit up in bed and I have the um, Sam Harris waking up app. And I do, it, I do a 10-minute meditation nice. first thing every morning. So that's how I start my day. And um, I do a treatment after that. So a treatment is uh, kind of like a prayer. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's just setting the tone, setting your beliefs. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, an affirmation <clears throat> you know, of, of something you want to see happen. Right. And that's how I start my day. And so knowing this information now, I'm much more than kind of what we started talking about before. I think when I realized this and I saw it taking place in my life, uh, it, so, and some magical kind of things happened even like, mm -hmm. so I was taking a class, uh, on, on this stuff at the church. And um, I, we had to have a prayer partner that was going to help us like to learn how to do this, these kind of things. And it was like, I was like the odd man out, you know, when you pick teams and I'm right. like, like sitting there like, oh man, <laughs> no one picked me. And so the teacher who was like a minister, he was like, okay, Kevin, you'll be my partner. Right. And so what we were supposed to do was help each other. Like you tell me like what you're envisioning and what you want to see in your life. And I'm going to, you know, we're going to kind of pray together on right. this and do treatment on this and help to try to envision this. So I have this super powerful prayer partner. This guy like right. is like really like, cause, cause what it's all about in this type of prayer, if we want to call it that, it's not that you're asking God for something. It's that you're, you're conditioning your own mind, right? You're working on yourself mm -hmm. to be in alignment with like all the great and good that's in the universe. So this guy was really strong with that. And I was feeling like, whoa, like, you know, and so I was able to kind of tap into like his, his um, belief and confidence in it. And so I was, I was treating for or envisioning, I wanted to have some passive income through music. Mm -hmm. Now, right, that usually comes as being like a songwriter, right? Right. I'm publishing something. Yeah, yeah, publishing. Yeah, none of which I had any of that. <laughs> right. And and so like you know with this stuff too, it's great. They talk about and you know uh, they talk about just put it out there what you're wanting to see happen. Right. And don't worry about the how. Let right. the universe take care of the how. Right. And this was a great example of that. So I'm I'm treating for wanting to have passive income through music. Meanwhile, I'm not a songwriter. I don't have any possibility of it publishing or anything like that and within like a few weeks and I have this brass band that I'm leading at mm -hmm. the time and we put out a few records and um, you know uh, I got some email and it was in really broken Italian actually nice. and it was something about wanting to use some song something saying I don't know and I thought it was like junk mail and so like you know I ignored it I didn't I couldn't even really understand what they were saying it was like broken English I thought it was like some kind of scam know, weird, yeah scam <clears throat> right Another email came a few weeks later and then kind of I looked at it again. I, I might have like showed it to somebody else and they're like, I don't know, maybe you should follow up on this. Long story short, followed up on it. It turned out that a, a company in Italy 
wanted to use one of the Brass Monkey songs from our first record for a Coca-Cola commercial for the World Cup. Yeah. Holy like a, Yeah. They wanted to use this song. And it was Saints Go Marching In, which is public domain. Right. So, uh, long story short, again, I'm like, then we had to figure out, like, how much is this worth? We don't even know. It's like in another country. This yeah, is a yeah. big campaign. Whatever. We arrive at $26,000. We made, I got a check for for this song that was off of a live recording, you know, nice. of a record that cost $2,000 to make. Like, right. you know, and, you know, that was all split up amongst the band and, right. I, you know, I, whatever. It wasn't all my money. But, I mean, it was just a great example of, like, what? Like, yep. in a million years, I wouldn't have ever thought that anything like that was possible. Yep. Dude, I... You know, so... I, but, you don't have to convince but, me. Like, but, I, I've had the same, literally same experiences where I'm like you know what, I'm going to like, I really want to focus on, you know, like new advertisers for the podcast or right. like getting into this. And literally like someone just reaches out and they're like, hey, we're looking right. to uh, advertise on a right. drum podcast. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. what? Yeah. yeah. Wh- like, where were you, you know, a month ago when I was like, oh, I'm not going to get any, you know, <laughs> right. and, you, and you're like. Right. And that's right. Yeah. It's like, I wasn't here a month ago because you were saying I'm not going to get any, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I get totally. So the trip is. You know, and we, we talked about this before we turned the microphones on, is I think I thought that now that I understand this and I have proof of this in my life, man, my life is just going to go on this incredible, like, you know, incline. I'm going to mm-hmm. just achieve, you know, all my wildest dreams in the next six months. And I'm going to be like, you know, on the cover of Modern Drummer and like millionaire or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, whatever my <laughs> dreams were, you know, but... You know, what's crazy is how old habits die hard. Mm-hmm. And even though I know that's the way things work, I, you know, I still have negative beliefs that come up. I mm-hmm. still have limiting, limiting beliefs. But with, but now with working on this and, and whatnot, I recognize them really quickly. Right. I recognize them almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I, when I say something or when I have a thought, I'm like, okay, check that out. You know, is that really what you want? Right. You know, is that really it? So there's a lot of power in that. But I have to, you know, continually through meditation, through affirmations, mm-hmm. through, um, you know, some journaling and stuff like that. I'm trying to always stay clear on what is it I want? What, you know, what is it I, I believe? And, right. And what do I want to experience? Mm-hmm. And try to keep putting that forward because if I don't watch it, I can slip back into of some of those old belief systems or live or belief systems that our, our society has or that my parents had or that, you know, whatever. Then mm-hmm. it might not even be something that's mine. It's just something I kind of latch on to. Yep. You know? Yep. Because everyone else does. Yeah. Like, oh, everyone yeah. else is saying it. Everyone else is saying the music industry's dying. So ah, the music industry's dying. You, you know? know, I always hear that from people who are not doing well in the music business. Mm-hmm. Right. And the people who are doing well, they're right. like, nah, man. Right, they're, yeah, they just keep like, on chugging. Yeah. yeah, like, it's great. You know, everything's know. going really well. Uh, I want to s- sort of switch gears a little bit and ask you, because I remember uh, you talked about this a little bit in the in the uh, the thing that you did with Zach, uh, the article that we did on Drummer's Resource with you a couple years ago. But you mentioned that being in, when you were in music school, you didn't feel like it prepared you to actually be a working musician. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't prepare you to be a working drummer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um 
And I agree with you that there's a lot of people who are coming out of school, and I'm sure you see this in MI because you teach at MI too, and not that I'm saying it's the case with MI, but a lot of times there's kids that are coming out of college with $100,000 worth of debt and have zero idea how to make money, how to network, how to get gigs, how to like, you know, it's like they're coming out of college and then they're like, oh, I got a music degree, I'm going to go get a job at, you know, Oracle because I I don't know how to... Starbucks. Yeah. So how did you, uh, what are some of the things that you think that you didn't learn when you were in school and what wisdom can you impart on people? Like, Hey, here's some things to think about whether you're getting out of school or not, or whether you're just trying to get into this, let's call it the workforce, right? The music workforce. Like what are some of the things that, that you felt like school didn't teach you and what you think people need to understand? Sure. Um, I think, I mean, I could speak for just my experience there being in Miami in like the early nineties. And it was an amazing school. It was amazing. I mean, you know, learned so much from there about music and about drumming and and jazz, both from the the teachers and my peers, you know, I had some amazing peers that were there at the same time. But I mean, it was mainly what we were learning had to all do with, um, you know, learning the instrument and learning jazz, learning improvisation, learning, you know, and and we did have to take a music business class, but it was more kind of like about some publishing and stuff. And, you know, also looking back, you know, I think we were in that headspace too of just, we wanted to just learn drums. Like, right. and we had to take a music business class and we're like, fuck this. this. Yeah. yeah, like, let's get through this thing. You know what I mean? So we could have been more open to, you know, learning what they were teaching us. But, right. you know, um, about they, I didn't. I don't really feel like they really prepped us for like any kind of auditioning, mm-hmm. kind of like how to go about auditions and and how to prep for that. Um, there was there was some teaching about like some different grooves to have together just to like do like like some basic club date action and whatnot. But right. like your money beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of that, but like what I and this is where MI actually really is good is that most of us at MI did come out of some kind of school like that mm. and and we're seeing like now like man we want to really prep people for what's happening now and and we really do talk to them I mean they're about auditions and about um you know and I'll, also I think at, at Miami again we were so focused on kind of like jazz and being creative and all this stuff there wasn't a lot of talk about like well here's what you actually probably have to really do to go actually make some money playing music right right now. Like, which is like, you know, being in like a casual band or being like in a top 40 band or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's being on a cruise ship. Like I did a cruise ship right out of college. So I learned a lot just right there on the job. But, you know, um, there's such, those are, I've never played a, I've never done a cruise ship gig, but mm -hmm. I know just from, from others who have and who have talked about it, like, those are baptism by fire, but you learn yeah. a lot, right? Yeah. And you learn all kinds of styles. You have to write. You have to understand charts. You have to yeah. work you with all these other people. Right. You know, there's like, there's a lot. It's so, And it's like kind of being on tour because you're in this spot. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't really, you're not leaving. So it's like living on It's really bus. cool. I mean, yeah. for any young uh, guys leaving school, it's kind of the, it's the one gig, you know, I can think of really that's like a full-time playing thing that you can do right out of college right and 
save and the thing too is you can save money mm -hmm. you know what i mean because you can cancel your car insurance park your car at your parents you house rent. or sell your car there's yeah. no rent even though i don't know what it pays now per week but you know uh you can save most of it right if you're savvy so and for people listening a, if they don't know how to get cruise ship gigs check out windish production my buddy does oh yeah he okay. has like a company that does it like oh great they okay. staff cruise ships man it's a great way you know. to see the world yeah to get experience and save money all those three things at the same time to get ready to go to whatever city you then want to go to i right. mean it's a great thing but you know with preparing our students um talking to them about the necessary um uh repertoire to have together you know mm -hmm. just like you gotta know some songs and i know that comes with age but like Man, you gotta check out like some classic rock stuff, some Motown. You gotta check out some, you know, you know, you gotta be familiar with some different things. Um, as far as like auditioning, um, you know, thinking big picture, uh, you know, mm -hmm. um, good social skills, you know, all these kinds of things that like they don't yeah. prepare you for. Yeah. Talk to me about networking. I know that uh, you had mentioned before that you're not you're not naturally like an outgoing like not that you're not outgoing, but you're not like yeah. you're not a guy who's out there like you know shaking hands and kissing babies and like you're right. like, you're not like a, a natural quote unquote networker, right? Yeah, that's not my yeah. And you, I think that's a my scary... wife kind of disc my my wife thinks I'm a big old talker and and yeah. and everything because I don't obviously I'm a social person, but like yeah, when it comes to like that quote-unquote networking because that's uh, a big scary word for a lot of people yeah and for me it, it's it, it doesn't come naturally what what i can say and this is what i've learned from listening to you know uh different podcasts like whether it be yours or the other drum ones there's or, a, we don't talk about other yeah drum right podcasts. No, there aren't other drum ones. <laughs> there's not other drum, right? not drum podcasts. so um <laughs> but but what i what there's some great advice that i got before i moved here uh from somebody was and I relay this to my students all the time or to anyone coming here is go out, go out every night. When you first come here, go out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because when you go out and you see music, you know, you're going to meet people. And I can trace like so many things that has happened to me since I moved to LA, whether it be playing at the Hollywood bowl with my brass band or certain, all the gigs I've done or whatever, I can almost trace them to like, I met that person when I went out that one night. Right. You know? Yeah. And and it was totally random. It was a nothing meeting that night, but that when you follow that string, <laughs> yep. it turned into something. So, you know, I can't preach that enough of just going out and, and have it be sincere. I mean, and you hear people talk about it all the time. I mean, it's not like you're um, you don't want to be super schmoozy and whatever, but if go out and, and figure out the different scenes, like, you know, Hotel Cafe is more like singer-songwriters, right? You know, the, the Mint is more like, I don't know, New Orleans kind of jammy kind of bands are there. And, you know, the bootleg or then there's other stuff that's more like indie kind of stuff. Right. You know, go check out those places. See what kind of music's there. What kind of scene is there. Mm -hmm. And find the one that, like, you want to kind of dive into. And then go back and just keep going. Keep seeing bands. And when you see bands and people that you really like, Go up and introduce yourself to him. Mm -hmm. You know, um, this studio, meeting Ryan Brown, who's yep. now one, a very close friend of mine. I mean, I 
had just moved to town. Um, I was I went to uh, an agape service, church service. Mm-hmm. That's the Science of Mind church that's here in in L.A. And um, you know, I went to the service just as a someone just going for the service. And then there was a band there. And after the service, I was like, I should go talk to that drummer. He's sitting there packing up. Yeah. Right there where I can talk to him. I normally would walk away right now and I would not go talk to that guy, but I'm going to go talk to him. Mm -hmm. And I walked up to him and it was Ryan Brown. And within about two minutes of talking, we both realized that we knew the bass player, Derek Frank. I was sleeping on his couch. He was a friend of mine from Miami. Right. He knew him. So we already had this little connection. And then I said, well, I'm actually from Denver. And Ryan like froze and was like, whoa, I'm from Denver. And then he's like, where'd you go to high school? Overland High School. He's like, Cherry Creek. Dude, we were neighboring high schools. Really? Yeah. Like, we grew up just a few miles apart. We went to some of the same drum clinics. Like, that little pink flyer is for a Peter Erskine, Greg Bizonette double clinic that happened in, like, I don't know, probably 1987 or 88 or something. And he was there. We were both there, you know. I'm a few years older than he is, Mm -hmm. so we didn't really cross paths, but, you know... I mean, we have been great friends. We do a lot of the same gigs. Mm-hmm. Like, we kind of sub for each other and, and on different gigs. And we've had the studio, um, you know, right. and that would not have happened. I know I would have probably met Ryan eventually. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we might not have ever made that Denver connection. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. If I did not go up and say something to him. I literally had this conversation with someone yesterday mm-hmm. uh, that... You, you have no idea where, like, relationships have, have to start somewhere, mm-hmm. right? So whether it be, like, meeting someone at a show and you're just like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Nick. And that's it. And you see them again. It's like, hey, didn't we? Oh, yeah, I met you before. Right. Like, it has to start somewhere. And then who knows where where it ends up, right? right? And it's like you and Ryan are now, like, you share this thing. Yeah. And you guys are subbing for each other. Same thing. I mo- When I moved to Hoboken... I was in Starbucks and there was a, a newspaper, like a local newspaper, and it had a picture of my buddy Dylan Wissing on it, right? Uh-huh. It wasn't my buddy at the time. I right. had no idea who he was. And it's like making hit records in Hoboken. And okay. I was like, let me look this guy up. Right. Right. And because he had just, they just, uh, the Alicia Keys Girl on Fire song was like huge. Right. He played on it, right? right? Right. So I was like, I should contact this guy. He's like, yeah, sure. Swing by the studio, you know? Mm-hmm. So I go by and I meet him. And, and now he's like, one of my best friends yeah, you know cool. like we're super tight and like yeah it's it's like but it has to start somewhere yeah you know and i wasn't and i'm sure like when you went up to meet ryan you weren't like what can i get from this guy no, you're just like right, hey i right. just want to let me right. just inter- let me extend my hand introduce myself and like well and the thing i've i've learned too and i try to i really try to convey this to my students that um you know i think sometimes you we when you go into this, you uh, you think, okay, I'm going to meet this person. I'm going to give them my card, and then they're just going to call me or something like that. You know what I mean? It doesn't really work. It's like no, you know, if you if it if you really do dig the music they're they're doing and whatever, go back again and go right. back again and support and don't and... go again with an agenda. Just go to support it and get inspiration from it. And when they keep seeing you, it's like, dude, there's that dude again. You yeah. know what I mean? And then you know, you're going to be on their mind and, and mm-hmm. you know, something's going to come up and, you know. But I think that's a piece that I didn't get when I was younger that, like, you had to kind of keep at it. Right. You know, I, I think a lot of times we think, 
you know, well, I went one time and I met that guy. I he never heard back he from never him. Called that me. was it. You know, it's funny, like not funny, but the the thing that the thing that I always think about is like, okay, let's go. And so, dude, I am preaching to the choir with all of this that I say. Like, yeah, I don't have all this figured out. I mean, I still I struggle with this. Stuff, yeah, you know, so. Yeah. You know, I'm talking to myself as I'm talking to any of your listeners as well. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, like, me yeah, too. Yeah, me yeah too. listen to yourself, Kevin. Go out and, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, with like, if you look at you and Ryan, there's, how can I say this, it's, that it's not like, oh yeah, obviously. But if there's a situation that comes up and you're like, oh, I need someone, you're like, I'll just call Ryan. Right? Mm-hmm. Like if I need someone to sub or mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And why do you call him? Because he's your friend, Right. But if you rewind the tape, like you guys, you weren't always friends. Mm-hmm. You just met and then you build a relationship and then, and then it's a no brainer. You're like, oh, I'll just call him. Of right. course. And it's right. like na- the natural progression of things. And then it's like, then you do that again with someone else. And then you do that again with someone else. And like, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm having, well, that's like, the thing that, I'm that, having a hard time like explaining well, it, but like, well, someone has to know, like, that's the thing that, um, for me to recommend somebody or for someone to recommend me, um, especially like here in LA for the gigs and the higher the gigs are, the more kind of sure. pressure there is on that, that like you're really going to, you think about who you're going to recommend because, mm-hmm. you know, they got to, it's going to reflect on you and they got to not only play right for the gig, but you guys think about personality. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So, Someone is only going to recommend you for something if they know what you play like, they know what your personality is like, you know, unless it's something they don't really, you know, care about or right. they don't really know anything about. Then if it's like I get a call from a stranger and I don't really know anything about it and it doesn't sound like it pays much or whatever, but it could be a cool learning experience. Yeah, that's something for me to turn on to one of my students right. or something, yeah, yeah, you know, or a recent graduate of MI and I do that, you know with like the guys who I know those are guys are they're great and they've they're ready for something right but like other kinds of things you know it's like you really gotta like all right because even amongst all my friends you know that are all world-class drummers I wouldn't recommend all of them for all the things I do yeah no it's very it's very specific and you know I know everybody's all my peers are like that too it's like Mm -hmm. who's the right you know yeah, sure. Technically, every all of my friends could play the gig, play right. the gig, but that doesn't mean it's going to feel right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not they're not might not be the right feel for the gig, um, and personality wise, right, might not be the right. Or or in this town, weird look is a whole thing too. You know, that yeah. comes into play. As sad as it's sad. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, it, it is sad, but that's true too. Yeah. For so sure. yeah, you can't. You know, you're not you're not going to get what you were saying, you're not even going to get to any of that unless you get to know somebody. Right. You know? I think that's what I was, that was the point. You just, right. you, boil, you distilled it very nicely. Yeah, you got to get to know you somebody. You got to be friends. Yeah. Right? You have to like just develop relationships and be and become friends with people, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a weird thing. You're like, how do I make friends as an adult? <laughs> right. You know, because right. like in school, you're just with these people every right. day. Right. But then as you're, as an adult, you're like, hi. Sorry. Yeah. Cool. Oh wow! Hello, <laughs> Siri. Was Siri wanted to chime in there? Yeah, person. right. Uh, but that—that's true. And as we get older and we get busier and our lives fill out, yeah, it, yeah, you, you—that's exactly right. It becomes more challenging. So 
you have to take time to go to do that. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing you said too was that after the gig, go up and just introduce yourself. Hey man, you know, really enjoyed your playing or whatever it is. Because most people are like, all right, I go out, like, what do I say to people? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know, just be a human. Be a human being. And right. the thing that I always think about too is like the people who you are going to talk to are in the same situation as you. Like they want to meet new people. Yeah. They're probably shy or like right. feel uncomfortable just walking up and talking to people too. Right. So we're all in this thing together. Totally. We're all just trying to figure it out. Totally. You know? Totally, man. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, my, my friends, you know, some of my friends are incredibly successful musicians. And, you know, I know their trips. <laughs> yeah. Every, I know we all, we all have them. We all have them. I For know, sure. you know, their trips as well and, and things that go on in their heads. And, you know, yeah, man, we're all just human trying to figure this out. Yep. You know. For sure. So where, uh, speaking of playing, where can people, where's the best place to see you live? Um, well, I play with a David Bowie tribute band called Space Oddity, mm -hmm. which is kind of one of the... I don't know, the country of Maine, like he's this guy, David Brighton. He's like the best kind of David Bowie tribute guy. He's pretty right. amazing. So that tours around the country. Nice. And so um, I know we have some stuff in Ohio coming up. We're going to Macau, which is like, really? It's like the Vegas of like Asia or something. It's kind of near Hong Kong. Well, yeah. I think. yeah. I mean, I'm familiar with where Macau okay, is. Okay, yeah, but yeah. So I, just, I've got, I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to say Yeah, that. no, I mean, this band has kind of taken me all over the world in the last few years. Um, so that is, is something where people could see me out of town, most likely, um, with Space Oddity. Here in town, um, it, you know, it's always changing. Mm -hmm. Like, I have some gigs coming up with Rain Phoenix. That's mm -hmm. River Phoenix's uh, sister coming up in June. Uh, I have my band's Rump Roller Organ Trio and the deep cuts, those bands play around town, mm -hmm. uh, you know, every month, every few weeks here in town. Um, yeah, I'm, I gotta get better at the whole social media and posting all my gigs and all that I stuff. Think everyone like, does, right? That's where, you know, I, I love creating these projects and I love the creative side of it. And l like you were saying that you love the business side. You love that, like, I, I get to that part of the equation, right? And I start to get res feel resistance within right. myself, you mm -hmm. know. So um, because of that, you know, I think uh, you know that's an area. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's an area that you know I'm still working on. You know, I think that I think with anyone, I, I mean, I mean, me, I think I just kind of locked out. Like I grew up in that. Mm -hmm. in that environment so it just and i've talked about this on the podcast before like i thought everyone just understood business right you right. know and i was like oh you know what and they're like no i have no idea and i'm like how do you not know this then i'm like oh because right. i grew up in this and i learned it right. either osmosis or actually doing it or yeah or whatever it is and yeah i think that you know if the, the business side like if you if you don't want to do it which i don't blame you it's like well then find someone who mm -hmm. can help with it or you know Whatever, or figure it out if you want to figure it out yourself. Right. You know, and the same the same thing with the other side. Like me, I I'm I sort of teeter on both. So I'm like I'm creative and I enjoy the business side. But I know plenty of people who are, you know, really good at business, but 
they don't really have the creative thing figured out. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, then figure that side out of it. Right. You know, like or find partner with somebody, partner with somebody right. who's really creative and right. you guys can do, you you know, you right. might not be the guy behind the drums playing, but like if you're the business guy and you need someone creative, maybe like you get someone to put bands together and you go out and book them or, right. or something. I mean, I think that there's, you know, kind of goes back to our own conversation or our other conversation where we're like, you can do whatever, whatever works for you is the thing that you should do. Yeah. So. Um, and your website is kevin-stevens.com, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm at Kevin Stevens Drums on Instagram. And I know you teach, but do you teach remotely too? Do you do uh, the Skype thing or just yeah. in person? Yeah. I do the yeah. Skype thing as well. Okay. And I teach here uh, in the studio as well as at Musicians Institute. I'm there two days a week. Cool. And, um, yeah, that's been, that's been really good. And, and that man, actually, you know, uh, the Musicians Institute thing. I've been, this October will be 10 years. I've wow. been there. It's kind of amazing. And um, going back to some of those things we were talked about earlier, you know, I did a bunch of touring in like 2008 and 2007, and then things slowed down in 2009 mm-hmm. and for me. Um, and then my wife, you know, we had two young kids, and my wife's like, very good job going on (laughs) like what's you know we've got to get some stuff happening here like and i and i kind of resisted i taught a little bit but you know i i kind of resisted and and whatnot and that forced me to like really kind of be like okay well i gotta like start turning over stones and looking at you know what are my options here right who do i know and Mm -hmm. you know start looking around at what i could do and I'd heard that a friend of mine that I knew from University of Miami was working at Musicians Institute, Stuart Jean. Mm-hmm. And so um, we knew each other were out here. Um, we, we knew each other very casually. Right. And, but on Facebook, I reached out, said, hey, you know, get coffee. It's like, yeah, hey, cool, come get coffee. And my thing was I wanted to just ask him about, like, Hey, is there any options that I could possibly teach some there mm-hmm. at MI? And uh, we're like waiting in line for coffee. We hadn't even got our coffees yet. We'd like just put in the order. And he's like, "Man, would you ever think about teaching here at MI?" And I was like, "Really? Yeah, actually, that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you." And he's like, "Dude, perfect." He's like, "Because I, I wanted to talk to you about that." And you know, so again, it was it was a matter of reaching out, mm-hmm. and you know. For both of us, it was, yeah. it was a good symbiotic thing. But what I noticed for me was that's been really great with MI. Um, it's been it's been great for me to learn about you know teaching, learn about my own drumming. It forces you to kind of figure out how to explain things. Well, I was going to say they say if you can explain something, then you really understand it. Yeah, yeah, right? it's really helped with that. I'm sure. Yeah, and just yeah, I'm I'm definitely a better drummer because of it. But um, a thing that was really good for me is having some consistency in my life, mm-hmm. you know, which is so funny because going back to the thing of like when I was at CU my freshman year and I was having like panic attacks, imagining me sitting behind, you know, like I didn't want my life to be all planned out, planned out you know, hour, in an office yeah. and, and all that. Yet I think I was I was finding out that I wasn't really happy with like no structure in my life. Right. You know what I mean? Being totally freelance and like 
sometimes I'm traveling and then sometimes I'm really busy. And then all of a sudden, like this week, there's like nothing really happening. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because then when nothing happens, I know for myself and I think a lot of musicians, it's like you kind of get down, you know, like, you know, I, I was. So just for me to have Musicians Institute as this place that two days a week I know where I need to be and I know I have this thing to do to go impart all this knowledge about drumming and music mm-hmm. on the next generation. Yeah. And it, and it feels great. And that's kind of a perfect amount of time for me, mm-hmm. uh, two days, you know, Yep. but that's been really nice to have a little bit of structure yeah. in my life, you know, and even though it's just two days for like, I don't know, whatever, seven hours a day or whatever. Right. It's cool. It's, 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 it's a little bit of structure. Um, with it, with everything else in my life being so fluid, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny that you say that because you know, obviously, I work for myself too. So my I, my schedule is anywhere. Yeah. I always schedule, like I'll schedule things early in the morning, just because it feels good to like yeah, like you get up, go. I have to yeah. be at this thing yeah. at eight o'clock, and exactly. to make sure, or I'll like because it That's builds smart. like just a little bit of structure, yeah. like you said, instead of just being like yeah, I'll everything. roll out of bed at noon and <laughs> yeah. like yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I I totally understand that. And I think that I'm probably the same way you are. Like, too much structure. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I don't want to do that. But n- having none just, like, drives me absolutely crazy. Because yeah. like, you just feel like you're sort of, like, out there floating. Yeah. You know, and there's no sense of, of, uh, of any, you're just like, ah, whatever, you yeah. know, whatever, me, whatever comes yeah. up. I mean, certain people are really disciplined and really focused and... I tip my hat to them, you know, to, if they can, it's they hard can pull that off. It's hard. Yeah. So, well, cool, man. Well, I'm glad we, uh, we finally got to do this. Yeah. I appreciate you inviting me down, man. I like, I'm telling you, if you walk in here one day and I'm sleeping on the floor, don't be surprised. <laughs> this place is amazing. That couch, I used to, I used to take naps on that couch, Yeah. <laughs> but now it's filled with drums. Now it's filled with drums. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but dude, thank you for inviting me down. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for having me. You know, taking the time to My chat. Pleasure. I know, thank uh, you for the the show. I mean, course. I've probably listened. To, I think almost every single episode. That's amazing. I mean, thank you. You know, I'm not kidding. Like most of them, I have. And I know because you you, you message me frequently, and you're like, oh man, I listened yeah. to. You know, that was really cool. You talked about this specific thing right. in the in the episode. So I appreciate that. Like knowing that people like you listen to it, and then understanding that like semi-pro people listen to it and right. beginners listen to it and you know like brendan buckley will send me a message he'll be like oh right. man that was a great interview you did with so and so or like to hear that it's hitting right. a bunch of different levels of player to me i think is, no, is super it's amazing great. no there's there was some a few really good things like like hearing um because i've always uh, you know i've um in the last few years really been trying to be more consistent with my practice mm-hmm. and um you know, hearing like, um, I think Stanton talked about, you know, something that he was like really working on, like brushes or something like that. He was really going deep with that. And Russ Miller was talking about, you know, working on jazz stuff with ear skin or something mm-hmm. like that. They were really, you know, and I was like, that's cool. Those are guys like me, same age, you know, that are have careers yeah. too. And they're still pushing it forward and working on things. So I was, it was like, Stan was getting up every morning at 6 a.m. and doing brushes in the front of the bus. Good. Yeah, good for him, Dude, man. Dude, I went, speaking of Stanton, like, this just shows, but I, I always hear people say, well, of course that guy does that because he's whoever, Stanton Moore, or he's Jojo Mayer, or he's this person. I'm like, no. No. 
he's that person because he because did he did that. Yeah, that's exactly and right. I went and saw him. He was playing at the Electric Factory in Philly. He practiced before the gig, did sound check, did the gig. We hung. After the gig, goes back and he sheds. He was shedding after the gig. Too. Yeah, yeah. That's some serious time. It is. You know, it is. And he's doing it. You know, whatever every day of the week on on the road. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I think for for listeners, I mean, I think a thing that like um, I didn't understand i think that most people don't understand until you're here like i'm you know whatever have a career in music Mm -hmm. or like here in in los angeles is that also the hustle never stopped like i think people like when i was younger i think we thought like man you know dave weckle or you know whoever greg bisonette you know, those guys just got it made. Like the you phone's just, just ringing. Yeah. yeah. And like their phone just never stops ringing. And just like, they never got to worry about, you know, a bill ever again, because they're always going to, and man, the thing you realize that once you start doing this is just like, man, it, you know, the guys that are working, you know, most of the people that I know, I mean, they're working because they're putting it out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, guys that are touring guys you know when a tour is coming to an end they are looking for what is next and, yep. and putting out feelers and and trying to figure out the next thing and you know sometimes the calls come to us like you know without working at it mm-hmm. but a lot of times it's like you got to work at it you got to work you know and these are guys that names that everyone knows yeah. you know that like man they are Making calls, they are checking in with people. They are doing things. That's how these people continue to work and get things done and yep. keep working. I think you know that was a little bit of a uh, definitely a surprise. <laughs> yeah, you know, of like, wait, oh, this never really stops. That like, you know, that you're continually like having to like, you know, grind, grind, yeah, yeah. grind. But like because you know, this is the thing that I think I'm put here to do. And I think most people that have chose this for a career, it's like, you don't mind the grind because it, the payoff is so great. I mean, yeah. And you loved, you, you, you love the payoff in the way of like playing music for a living. Right. I mean, it's like pretty awesome you know, yeah. that, you know, I get to play drums and share this with other people, have a family, mm-hmm. you know, play with some of the best musicians in the world. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome life. Can't you know? beat it. I mean, yeah, there's days that are, you know, can be rough or, you know, up and down and whatnot. But, man, I'm definitely blessed that I get to do this. You worked hard for it. And yeah, you still, I and have. You can, and and I, you still do. And I keep holding that vision of, you know, in my head. Yeah, I think that's super valuable advice to just remember, like, you're not just going to arrive, mm-hmm. you know, and then that's it and you put it on cruise control. Like, it is, I mean, unless you're, you know, Chad Smith and, you know, you get in this band. But even he's like, well, yeah, I mean, that guy worked his ass off. And you he know, still he works his ass off. Like, they're still know? touring, you know. And yeah. even, like, he, we had him on the show and he's like, he's like, in his words, he was like, I'm a pampered rock star now. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I he still works so, hard. You know? And he's still on the road. Like, right. The, you know, the, their last tour was like three years. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, he's grinding. Right. He's still grinding. Right. You know, he's still working hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Were you going to say something else? Um, I'm just thinking if there's any other 
things to I think man uh, people out there have to first believe in themselves you know I think that's a thing that I lacked for a long time mm -hmm. was that belief in myself right you know and without having that kind of self-confidence you know um, you make choices I mean I think again going back to like the universe responds in a certain way but I think if you don't have that confidence and your self-esteem isn't great then you think that you don't really matter you mm -hmm. know what I mean Mm -hmm. And it's like, and then you start to make choices like, well, why should I go out and go to that bar and meet people? Because, you know, I'm probably not going to get the call They're not anyway. hire me anyway. Yeah, or yeah. why should I go do that? Because, you know, or why should I go practice? Because I'm not really, you know, you start to have those things. So you got to really check in with yourself and, you know, believe. And like, like you've talked about it, like get clear on your goals. Get clear on what you want to have happen. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where it starts, you know. I agree. That's where, because that's where, you know, you're going to drive motivation from um you know that's where you're going to start to attract things into your life that's where you're going to recognize things when it matches up with your belief and mm -hmm. your goals you know not be distracted by other things yep you know i i agree you and i are on the same page my man right on brother dude all right thank you Good so talk, much man appreciate it okay So there you have it, Kevin Stevens. You can check him out. Go to kevin-stevens.com. And for all the show notes of everything we talk about, head over to drummersresource.com forward slash session 489. And I hope you got something out of this. This was a really good conversation for me as well because I think we all have some sort of limiting beliefs or things that we think to be true or look at other people and think, well, they can – of course they can do that because they're special or more talented or more this or more that and where the truth is that's just a limiting belief that we tell ourselves and we can really achieve anything that we want to as long as we work hard and we stay focused and and we continue to fail and learn from those failures so an amazing conversation for me to have with Steve with Steven <laughs> with Steven Kevins <laughs> with Kevin Stevens and uh, I hope you guys all got something out of that too as I'm sure you did and until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so so much for listening and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.